thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into your lives. I'm Brett Hill. And today, we've got an amazing interview. This lady has a bachelor's degree in English literature and mathematics from the University of California. She's worked as a scientific and technical author for the next 15 years, researching and analyzing data and translating it to make it easy for people to understand. She has a passion for analyzing and interpreting the latest nutritional research and working as a natural health advocate. After 10 years, she's completed further studies in nutritional medicine and is a government-accredited clinical nutritionist. So welcome to the show. Christine Cronell. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you on board. Very excited. I'm excited because after 250 episodes, I've done an introduction with the, with Damo <laughs> here. He let me go first. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's amazing. One day, Damo, you might even let me go in the center spot in one of our photos. That'd be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> enough of our banter. Let's get to talking to Christine. Christine, you have got a huge following online. You share a wealth of information. How did this all come about for you? How did this whole journey into nutrition and nutritional health start for you? Well, it started because I started struggling with my health. So I grew up low fat. I did all the regular things that we're taught to do. We grew up on whole grains and lots of vegetables, etc. I should have had the most healthy diet in the world. But unfortunately, I ended up struggling with my weight when I was quite young. And then later, I also started struggling with my health. I ended up with chronic fatigue, IBS. I had all sorts of issues such as insulin resistance, hypoglycemia. I even had bone loss in my early 20s. So you have to ask the question, if I was so healthy, if I was doing all the right things, why was my health suffering? And it seemed to me also that the healthier I got, the healthier I ate, then the sicker I seemed to get. So that's how I actually got into this. I had a very interesting, very quick discussion with a friend of mine who was a GP at the time. And she mentioned some research that she was doing that indicated we should be eating more fat, not less. And of course, I thought, well, that sounds absolutely, you know, contradictory to everything I've ever learned in the past so I was very very skeptical but I did look into it and the more I looked into it the more I realized that perhaps the diet I was eating for example whole grain cereal with soy milk and a banana for breakfast maybe wasn't the most natural way to eat after all. Well first I'll just address the comment about the women that it hits women more than men and that's actually because we, as women, try to do the right thing. We are the most focused on trying to be healthy and doing what we're told to do. And unfortunately, that's why it hits us the hardest because we try and go lower in fat. We try and diet and we do all the things that we think are, you know, the healthiest thing. And that's why it does hit us hard, which is very unfortunate. Uh, and then on to your other question, the who actually helped me? I ended up in my research finding a nutritionist, a low-carb, high-fat nutritionist, and he basically told me that my diet, my healthy diet, was making me sick. And, of course, I had to turn everything I thought or understood on its head. I had to, you know, I was a vegetarian as well, which, uh, you know, I was a low-fat vegetarian, so I had to pretty much change the way I thought about everything and started eating foods that I hadn't touched for years, thinking that they were, you know, 
going too, you know, too high in saturated fat, etc. I practically eliminated butter completely from my diet. So I started eating butter and eggs and all those foods that I avoided for so many years. And, you know, the results were amazing. It did take me time to heal because, of course, I was quite sick at the time. But, you know, I haven't had to think about my weight now in 15 years. I haven't had to diet. I haven't had to count calories. And I was able to reverse every single health condition that I had. So it was quite remarkable. So how did you start, Christine? Like, what did that look for you from, I guess, a more practical basis? What did you start eating? What did you change first? What was, you know, what was your process you went through? Well, my biggest change was breakfast. I always started breakfast previously with a whole grain cereal and soy milk and probably a piece of fruit. And my breakfast now, and which has been the same for about 15 years, is three eggs, normally fried in butter or or fried in some sort of other fat like coconut oil. Uh, And I'd have a nice side like free-range bacon or lamb chops, etc., with maybe some mushrooms, etc. So completely the opposite breakfast. No, I never do it. (laughs) Uh, And in fact... The, the thing with whole grains is that we've been convinced that they're, you know, one of the healthiest foods on the planet. But in actual fact, they're quite hard for us to digest and especially when we eat a lot of them and especially if we don't prepare them the way that, you know, we did have ancestors who ate some grains but they always soaked and fermented those grains so they were easier to digest. That's something we've forgotten how to do. And in fact, these whole grains are full of plant toxins. Now, those toxins actually help protect that grain against birds and insects but unfortunately it does act like an allergen in our digestive system so they can become quite irritating especially in large amounts so it's quite interesting how one of the the foods that are advertised as healthiest can actually cause quite a bit of upset and that's why a lot of people especially who focus their diet on whole grains end up with IBS. Well I will also just clarify it's really the overload in in phytates that's the issue it's not you know, most of us can handle a certain amount. But if we base our entire diet on whole grains or carbohydrates in general, we end up with quite a few issues. And it's not just the grains per se, but it's also just eating too many carbohydrates because as humans, we can only use or store a small amount of glucose at any one time. We can only store about 500 grams of glycogen, which is our stored form of glucose at any one time. So if we eat more than we can use or store, we end up with all sorts of issues. We generally have to store the excess as fat and we also have issues with insulin. So Christine, what sort of ratios do you generally go for? I mean, obviously there's there's a whole raft of different diets out there and, and some people are, yeah. you know, high carb vegans having huge amounts of carbohydrates. Others are, mm-hmm. you know, very much on the low fat end of the spectrum and there's a lot in between. So what ratios and percentages do you generally go with? Well, I would say that my uh, fat intake, for example, is generally around 70% of my caloric intake. Now, you have to remember as well that fat has twice the calories of protein and carbohydrate. So it doesn't mean you're eating mostly fat. It just means that when you're looking at caloric intake, it's around 70%. When we're born, we start our life on breast milk, which is around 60% fat. 
So it's quite interesting. It's it's a completely opposite way to, you know, living as what we're taught and certainly opposite to what I was doing previously on my low-fat diet. It does. And in fact, our organs get to a point when we're low-fat for a long time, they get to a point where they don't process fat all that well anymore. So it can take a while. Some people, if they were to suddenly start eating the way that I eat now, they would absolutely feel sick. So it's because their organs don't tolerate it. So they do have to increase the fat slowly until we get used to it again. But if we go back and look at what our ancestors were doing, they were all eating quite a bit of fat. That's what they did to sustain themselves. That's how they got their energy. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I reckon when you look back at some of that uh, that data, and, and there's certainly – you know, there certainly were populations eating really high percentages of fat, but there were others as well, Christine, that ate quite high percentages of carbohydrates. Like we looked at some, uh, there's a Papua New Guinean tribe I know uh, I looked at and Sydney Mira was telling me about, who they had mm. 80% sweet potatoes in, as part of their diet. You know, so the, yeah, I, there was quite a variety there. So what I want to know is, is this, uh, there seems to be a lot of research suggesting that, that a really high fat diet can be great for, I guess, resetting. It can be great for healing from autoimmune diseases. Do you think it's something you will continue to do for the rest of your life or do you think that as your body heals that you may develop more scope to perhaps allow a few more other you know, proteins and carbs back into your diet as well? Absolutely. Well, that's a, that's a really interesting point. Now, uh, I assume you're talking about the Kitavan. They did have quite a, a lot of sweet potato, etc. But if you look at their diet, it was still very high in protein and fat. And that's the common thing. You know, if you go back and look at ancestral diets, they did vary quite a lot. But the the common denominator was that they were all eating a really good amount of protein and fat. And that's something that we've stopped doing. And in fact, we've become quite fat deficient as a nation. And even a lot of people are protein deficient as well. And the problem is when we get rid of fat, we get rid of nutrition that we actually need. For example, we need fat and cholesterol to produce adequate hormones. We need fat and cholesterol for good organ function, including our heart and our brain. And we also need it to produce adequate serotonin levels. We need it for good cell function. And in fact, the cell membrane is made of fats. So if we don't eat enough fat in our diet, it's very hard to keep that cell membrane strong and healthy. And of course, if we can't have a strong cell membrane, that means that we can't keep the cell hydrated, which is one of the reasons why we are suffering a lot now with premature aging. And it doesn't just affect our skin, but also our entire body. So I base my diet around eggs, meat, and then the then vegetables, obviously, and also the fats. So that's the, the main components of my diet. Sorry, Christine. And what about carbs? What sort of carbs do you allow into your diet? What do you choose as, I guess, you know, a, a lower carb fruit or a snack? Do you eat any fruit at all? What do you do in that regard? Yeah, I, I, and this is actually another point that will address one of your earlier questions about whether there's scope to increase the carbohydrates after you heal, etc. Now, interestingly, if we've become insulin resistant, then we react completely differently to carbohydrates than other people do. And that's why they often call diabetes, type 2 diabetes, a disease of carbohydrate intolerance. And basically what happens is if a normal person eats fruit or another complex carbohydrate, they have a very small glycemic response and a very small insulin response. Whereas a person with insulin resistance, if they actually eat that same food, they have actually a much higher response than the sugar response in a normal person. And it's the same thing with the both the insulin and the glycemic response. So basically, if they are eating complex carbohydrates, 
then it's basically acting in their body as if they had just eaten sugar. So that's why it's really important to actually drop the carbohydrates very, very low at the start if we are trying to heal something such as insulin resistance. And most people may think they may not have to worry about insulin resistance, but unfortunately, the majority of people now are insulin, insulin resistant. And in fact, in our clinic, everyone who's come through the door and has had their bloods done, we've found that almost 95% have had raised serum insulin levels. So it's quite remarkable. But then after we are able to bring that insulin down uh, for a period of time, and I suggest around three to six months, then yes, we can eat more carbohydrate. I am low-carb, high-fat, but I eat potato. I eat sweet potato. I eat fruit, for example, and I am still in a fat-burning ketogenic state even though I eat those foods because I'm now what you would term as a permanent fat burner, which is what happens when we do actually drop our carbs low enough that we can start utilizing fat for energy. Well, I describe what I do as low-carb, high-fat, and what low-carb, high-fat actually is is also moderate protein. So it's not high protein, it's moderate protein. So that's generally what I do. Obviously, there are a lot of different opinions about what low-carb, high-fat actually is. And, for example, a lot of people, you know, get quite shocked when I tell them that I eat potato. But this is this is my version of low-carb, high-fat. And basically, I address the, the issues in the body. We get everything working again and then we move into a more moderate low-carb, high-fat diet, which does include foods such as as your fruits and sweet potato, potato, etc. Well, I think it still is challenging because people are confused. They do hear a lot of messages. But I think any diet that is closer to our ancestral-type diet, anything that we are more closely evolved to eat, such as paleo, primal, low-carb, high-fat, etc., absolutely, there's a big movement going in that direction because – I think most people actually understand now that there's something wrong. They may not know what it is, but clearly what we're doing is not working. And so people are looking for answers. And do you think there's been a shift, Christine, in, in I guess, the low-carb, high-fat community? I mean, it seems that initially, perhaps with the Atkins diet, it was it was all about macronutrient ratios um, and getting those right. And, and it seems to me that in more recent times, we've been focusing not just on those macronutrients, but on nutritional density and the quality of the food and where the food is sourced from and whether it's organic or not, or, you know, all of those sort of things. So do, do you think that's been a big shift in that movement in the last few years? I- I do think so, and in fact, that's one of my focuses. That what that's what makes me different a little bit than some of the other low carb, high fat diets. In in that, I do focus on health. And in fact, if we can get our health right, if we can get our gut bacteria right, if we can uh, balance our pH and get everything working well in the body, if we can get all of our blood markers back to normal then we do find that weight loss is a benefit of that. And it, and if we focus on the health, then the weight loss generally comes with that. Well, like I mentioned before, it, when I recommend low, people start low-carb, high-fat, not everyone does have to go super low-carb, but most people do because they do have an element of insulin resistance. And when you're in that initial very low-carb part of the initial phase, then the fantastic thing that you can do for both prebiotic and probiotic is sauerkraut. Now, it has to be a traditional fermented sauerkraut. It can't just be anything you buy at the supermarket because they're not always done correctly. But if you get something, for example, for example, like Gutsy, it's a great brand, Gutsy Ferments, or 
the Peace and Love Byron Bay brand. That's also a fantastic naturally fermented sauerkraut. It's actually traditional sauerkraut actually has more beneficial bacteria than you would find in a good probiotic. And it also is full of the prebiotic, which is what you're talking about feeding your gut bacteria. That's great, Christine. It is getting a bit windy there, so this is getting a little bit challenging to hear you. So if you can turn away from the wind a little bit, that would be great. But um, I just want to ask you about fat digestion because it seems like if we're going to increase our fat to that degree in our diet, then the way we digest fat in our body is going to be really important. So what are some things we can do to to help our body out? You know, Are there things we can do to help improve our body's ability to digest fats? Well, absolutely. The first thing is to take it slowly. So increase fat slowly if you are first getting into low carb high fat and the other thing is you know a lot of people ask about the gallbladder now we've been told basically that high fat diet actually affects the gallbladder but it's actually a low fat diet that does affect the gallbladder and so many people find that when they do go low carb high fat they can help get their gallbladder functioning well again and also vitamin k2 which is very you know high in a low-carb, high-fat diet is very helpful for clearing out previous gallstones, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of information around that as well that's quite fascinating. Well, absolutely. If you go to the website, then you can look at all of those things and decide which is the best for you. There's a lot of free information on the website as well. And also, if people join me on Facebook and follow my Facebook page, I do put up a daily update and just information that's quite interesting to people. A lot of people have made huge changes in their lives just from following me on Facebook. So you don't necessarily have to invest a lot of money. It's just information and, you know, people are just having remarkable results. Thank you, Christine. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on board. I'm sure everyone is going to go check out particularly your Facebook page and your website, but also check out those books as well. So for everyone else, Make sure you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the wellness guys, and tell us what you thought of this episode. Share this podcast with your friends and family and other strangers you think need a wellness update. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a five-star rating and give us a comment. Until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives, lead by example, and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on the Wellness Guys Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.